Good evening and good afternoon or good morning to you, whichever you are, wherever you are, right there where you are. Welcome to another episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Whether you're listening to us from a state other than Virginia or a country other than the United States of America, I want to welcome each and every one of you to this night's episode. You're listening to us on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXBAM here in Southern Virginia and Northeastern North Carolina. You can also hear us on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And as always, if you would like this or any other episode of broadcast, you can find the podcast by searching The C.D. Hodges, The C.D. Hodges, on iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and even perfect your marriage and family relationships. Welcome once again. We're continuing on the subject of sex in marriage. Sex in marriage. And I sincerely hope that last week's presentation on problems in sex was beneficial to you. You can't talk about sex in relationships and not have some kind of discussion on problems in the sexual life and the area of sex. And I think it's worth it just to recap a couple of points of interest where problems in sex are concerned. First of all, I want to remind you. First of all, I want to remind you that if you have sexual problems in your life, in your marriage relationship, husbands and wife, if you have a sexual problem, the most important thing I can tell you right there now is that you are so not alone. You are not alone. As the statue we gave you pointed out on last week, nearly one-third of all men and women, nearly one-half of all men and women report some sort of difficulty or some degree of difficulty in their sex life. And second of all, sexual-related problems may be either physiological or psychological. Sexually-related problems may be physiological or psychological. Physiological means there is a medically-related basis to the problem. And if that is the case, get help from a doctor. If you're having a sexual problem, first thing you do is get yourself checked out medically. Get help from a doctor. Because physiologically based sexual problems, they can be treated. And then psychological means that you may be having some sort of emotional block after some event in your life. So something has happened to you, the way you've been raised or something has gone on and it's been sealed in your mind, something about sex, something having to do with sex. And there's some emotional block there that presents a difficulty to you. And now what I'm talking about when I talk about psychological basis of sexual problems, uh, that covers everything from stress on your job to children to abuse and almost any and everything else. And if this is the case, if the basis of your sexually related problem is, is uh, psychological, by all means, again, get help. You can get treated by a professional, but maybe even more important than you being treated by a professional for psychologically related uh, sexual difficulties, husbands and wives. You all need each other. Husbands and wives, you all need each other. 
And now I want to move on into the next area of discussion again. I hope that benefits you. If you got any questions along that line, send them to me. I didn't mean to go all in depth. I'm not the professional in that area. Just wanted to provide you some background information. But you got the questions about it, anything you want us to deal with, send those in to me. We'll be happy to uh, get to them. And now I want to move on to the next area of discussion in our uh, subject on sex in the marriage. I want to delve into the extremely sensitive area of affairs. And I want to deal with today on the nature of an affair. Uh, I'm going to have at least another week, possibly another two weeks, dealing with sex in a marriage relationship. But today I want to deal with the nature of an affair. And next week I'm going to deal with how to survive an affair. Uh, but I want to deal with that, and this is a touchy, this is a touchy, touchy area. And I hope, again, as always, we can provide you some enlightenment and some beneficial thoughts. I want to provide you some outlets to help you deal with any frustrations or anything else that you might be having. And so let's delve into the nature of an affair. And before we get going, I want to read to you a couple of vignettes I have. Uh, I want to set uh, set this up and uh, key you in on where we're going. So let me read a couple of vignettes to you. Joanne had never had a doubt in her mind about her husband's commitment to their marriage. He held his job and stayed involved in the kids' lives, coaching soccer on the weekends and doing repairs around the house. With his job changed, Joanne began to feel more distance between them. She didn't like where their relationship was headed, but couldn't quite put her finger on what was wrong. Tom traveled nearly every week, and when he was at home, he was often tired and disengaged from the family. Joanne tried to write it off as Tom's stressful job, but then she found a credit card statement that detailed hotels and restaurant charges in New York. Those were the dates he had said he was in Detroit on business. You can feel it, you can hear it, you can smell it, you know what's going on. And here's another vignette for you also. Amy often struck up small talk while working out at the gym. So when she met Bob, she didn't think twice about their conversation. Over the next few months, Bob and Amy saw each other quite often. And soon they were scheduling their days around working out together at the gym. Amy never mentioned Bob to her husband. She just didn't think he would understand. Wow. You know what's going to happen. Striking up these liaisons, striking up these conversations, establishing these relationships. It's so easy to see what's going to happen. Well, it's easy for everyone outside of that relationship to see what's going to happen. And before we ever get to how you survive an affair, it's a good idea to talk about how you get into an affair. You know, we, are, we often want to jump to surviving an affair, how to get through an affair. Well, how about not getting into the affair to begin with? And I oftentimes tell people it's better never to get into something than to get into it and have to get out of it. So let's talk about how people get into an affair. This is one time when an ounce of prevention will certainly be worth much, much more than a pound of cure. Let's not get in it rather than get in it and have to get out of it. 
So how do men and women end up in affairs? Because hardly anybody gets up in the morning and says to themselves, I think I'll have an affair today. But people commonly end up in these unexpected, watch this, wait for it, entanglements, as Jada Pinkett Smith calls it. And, and you know, I use that as a little pun there. You understand that that's kind of the uh, uh, hot topic going around for the last week or so, uh, entanglements. But uh, uh, I actually think Jada Pinkett Smith hit the nail on the head. And that's why I use these two scenarios. I want to point out how easy it is for people to end up emotionally and romantically involved and how they really didn't mean to. They really didn't mean to. But investing in another person who is not your wife, investing in another person who is not your husband, can easily become your slippery slope that once you get on it, you almost can't stop yourself from sliding downhill. And you will slide downhill with so much momentum that all you can do is crash at the bottom because you cannot stop. Investing emotionally in other people, other than your husband or other than your wife, Investing emotionally in those folks can sometimes cause you to fall into a situation that has you, has you all twisted up emotionally. Oh my goodness. Has you all twisted up in your decision making, all twisted up in your emotions, all twisted up in your mind. It can lead to twisted decisions, twisted outcomes. It'll just twist you up when you begin to invest emotionally in other people. You end up getting caught up in what I call emotional barbed wire. You know, I always think about the, the movie, my wife likes it, uh, old World War II movie. I think it's The Great Escape. And uh, uh, Steve McQueen is on there and he escapes from German POW camp and he runs away on a motorcycle. And uh, he's going through the countryside and the German soldiers are chasing him. And on the motorcycle, he tries to jump a barbed wire fence, but he misses the jump. And he ends up getting tangled up in the barbed wire. And everywhere he twists, every way, which way he turned, whenever he moved, he just became tangled even tighter. And he couldn't get himself out. And when you begin to invest yourself emotionally in a man that's not your husband or a woman that's not your wife, you may end up getting caught up in some emotional barbed wire. And the more you move, the tighter the barbed wire gets. You're all tangled up. Your whole body feels the pain. And you can't get yourself free. So that's why I say I believe Jada had it right. It was an entanglement. An entanglement. Listen. A little chat turns into a long conversation. Even the innocent time spent together provides an emotional uplift. It's like the exchange of emotions causes the brain to release something, some hormone, some, some feel-good hormone, the serotonin and other hormones. The brain, you, you, you feel that rush when you're investing emotionally into another person and they're doing the same to you. So it's like the brain releases something that clouds your mind about your own marriage, 
Cloud your mind about your vows, your promises. Cloud your mind about your responsibility, your family. Cloud your mind about your children, your job. And for a lot of folks, cloud your mind about your ministry. And how many ministers have hit rock bottom? How many ministers, ministers have gotten into trouble because of affairs? And, and let me just take a sidebar here. And it's so easy for ministers to do. You got to really be careful. You got to trust God. You got to hold on to your vows. You got to keep your flesh under subjection. Because you, you can't be good in ministry without making emotional investments in the people you lead. But that doesn't mean that somebody gets more than somebody else. That doesn't mean that you're free to say, I'm going to meet Sister Potato for lunch and talk to her about her problem. Mm, mm. Wise up, my brothers. Wise up. I don't have time for that. Maybe another time. But wise up, my brothers. But these emotional investments, you start feeling the rush, feeling good by them, and it clouds your mind. You can't think well. You can't think right about who you are, where you are, and the purpose of your life. And the greater a person's emotional insecurity the more these emotional uplifts will mean to them and the tighter they will get wound up in that emotional barbed wire, in that entanglement. The greater a person's emotional insecurity. And everybody has a little bit of emotional insecurity. So when people say things like, I don't care what people think about me, they're trying to convince themselves more than anybody else. They really are. Everybody has some degree of emotional insecurity. It doesn't have to be something that stunts you. It doesn't have to be something that makes you weak. It's just a degree of emotional immaturity. On the scale of 1 to 100, maybe you're 1. It doesn't really affect you at all, but it's there. Or maybe you're 89. You, <laughs> you almost can't make it through the day without some medication because of emotional insecurity. But the more, the greater a person's emotional insecurity, the more these emotional uplifts will mean to them. Those emotional uplifts that you get from the exchange between a man and a woman. And the tighter they're going to get wound up in this emotional barbed wire, that entanglement, as Jada Pinkett calls it. For women, the emotional insecurity is usually about feeling recognized and feeling uncared for. That really strikes at the heart of, an, of a woman's emotional insecurity. Do you recognize me? Do you really care for me? Especially if you've been married for several years, possibly uh, multiple decades. Do you still find me attractive? Do you still desire me? So if you're not coming home, man, those insecurities are going to be amplified inside her. And for men, the emotional insecurity is usually about his ego being stroked. And just like the woman, may her insecurities may uh, be amplified after several decades, possibly a man's also. A man wants to know that he still has the juice. A man's ego must be stroked. He really needs his ego stroked. And if things are not going well for him at home, uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, if things are not going well for him at home, if he and the wife are not connected emotionally, if they're not expressing affection one to another, but then some young 
attractive lady out there in the street somewhere or even at church or at work, even at work, gives him a compliment or something that strokes his ego, it's going to draw his attention. It's going to draw his attention. And in these emotional states, married men and married women have a way of finding valuable emotional support uh, uh, and uplifting when they exchange uh, uh, and get into these innocent exchanges. It may start as a friendly talk in the gym. It may start as a, uh, a smile across the restaurant when he's on a business trip by himself. And then it grows from there. And they began to exchange and they began to uh, uh, invest emotionally in each other. And it begins to take on a value to them. In Jada Pinkett Smith's case, it began with her helping this young man through some tough times in life. She even helped him reco recover from a serious illness. But there was an emotional exchange that began and started to go on and continued. It struck a chord in both of them. And they ended up in a place that they didn't mean to end up in the beginning of the thing. And I don't mean any harm, but, but well, I'll just keep my thoughts to myself about uh, Will and Jada's uh, style of relationship. Uh, I'll say this much, though. I think what they've described over the years made them susceptible to getting caught up in emotional barbed wire. And I'll leave it at that. Help this young man through serious illness. And when you're helping somebody, when they're finding uh, strength from you, when you're sowing into them and they're recovering in life and they're pulling themselves together and they find their heart bouncing back from being broken or whatever the case may be, yeah, you're going to strike up a chord there. You're going to strike up a chord. And just like in the first scenario I read to you, the couple had drifted apart emotionally due to the various stresses of life. They were together but really weren't together. There was no emotional exchange. It had stopped. It had ceased. And here comes the dynamic I told you about already. This lack of emotional exchange makes the woman feel uncared for, undesired, unappreciated, and just undone. This lack of emotional exchange makes the man feel dishonored, disrespected. Uh, uh, you know, he needs to feel revered and admired. That's what the man needs. He's not feeling that from his woman when they're not having this emotional, emotional exchange, when they're not exchanging affection, when they're not meeting each other's physical, emotional, and sexual needs. He's not feeling respected. He's not feeling honored. He's not feeling revered and admired. The man needs a woman to look up to him. That strokes his ego. He needs to feel like his woman looks up to him, respects him. That strokes his ego. And in the second scenario, the man and the woman began with innocent talking over something they have in common, working out in the gym. It won't take long, though. It won't take long at all for this liaison to find its emotional target. And once it does find its emotional target, that's when the man and the woman start rearranging their schedules to meet at the gym at the same time. Starts off innocent. A couple of months ago, nobody said on that morning when they got up, think I'll have an affair today. 
think I'm just going to go invest my emotions and make an emotional investment in a woman that's not my wife or a man that's not my husband. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. But that's exactly what happened. And they probably won't tell each other <laughs> that's what they're doing. When they start rearranging the schedules and everything, they may not even tell each other that's what they're doing. And they're going to be in denial thinking, we just happen to show up at the same time every other day. What are the odds of that? The odds are really good when you're experiencing this emotional high. The odds are really good when this woman with this emotional, uh, 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 what did I say a moment ago? This emotional need, this emotional insecurity, when he's meeting that by showing her concern and care for, and him and his emotional insecurity, when she's stroking his ego, yeah, the odds are really good that you're going to do some things that you didn't mean to do in the beginning. Why? They're trying to recapture the high they got from the emotional exchanges. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, trust me, please. It's like a high that you get from a drug. When women are stroking men's ego and when men are showing women that they're cared for, <laughs> it can be like a high from a drug. So you definitely have to be careful. And you know, it's, it's, really, it's really simply old-fashioned positive reinforcement at work. We are likely to return to something that makes us feel good. If we get a good feeling out of it, if we have a good ex uh, uh, experience from it, we're likely to go back to it. And unbeknownst to us, we can even turn that like into a need. And all of a sudden, he's telling his wife, I need to go to the gym. I have to go to this. I need to do this. I need to do that. It started off as I like to work out at the gym. And I like to talk to her at the gym. We both like working out. But the more emotionally insecure a person is, and the more people get that feel good, the more likely it is that both parties will begin to interpret the liaison into a need. What was fun in the beginning, what was innocent in the beginning, will involve, evolve into something that meets a need. And because they're meeting a need, they interpret it as a need. The two began to share personal stuff about themselves and their lives. They began to build trust in one another. Affection is exchanged and a bond forms. They build an affinity for each other. Something in them starts pulling them to each other. Both the man and the woman start turning to each other for emotional support and fulfillment. They start to desire a deeper emotional experience. Check this out. The emotional affair starts before the physical affair. Wow. Man, I hope you got that. I'll run through that again really quickly. Uh, uh, they began to share personal stuff. And this is where you have to be really careful. How you share your secrets. How you share the deep meanings of your heart. The deep expressions of your heart. Be careful who you share those with. They're not meant for everybody. They began to build trust. Affection is exchanged. A bond forms. They build an affinity for each other. They start to desire each other. 
they're pulled towards one another. And they start turning to each other for emotional support. They go through, and guess what? They have phone numbers now. They begin to call each other. They start a desire to desire a deeper emotional experience. The emotional affair starts before the physical affair. Couples often speed up the emotional bonding also when you start to share secrets and personal information. I'm telling you, be careful with that. Everybody doesn't get your secrets. Everybody doesn't get what's deep in your heart. It's only for a couple of people in your life. For example, either one or both the man and the woman are experiencing a tough time, tough time in life. Maybe it's a sickness, family or marital problems or whatever the case may be. They start to get emotional support from the person that they're not married to. And that can be a problem. That can be a problem. If you want a counselor, go get a counselor. And that's the reason you're married. You're married to a man. You're married to a woman so that you can have someone to hold your hand and walk you through those tough times, to walk with you through those tough times. And I'm really simplifying this process, but this is about the way it goes. It's not much different. And the climax of the process is an adulterous affair. And adultery is when a married person has a sexual relationship with someone they're not married to. And let me make something perfectly clear here. The emotional exchanging and bonding that I just told you about is not necessary for the adultery. The proverbial one-night stand is adultery. And as Jesus ably pointed out, there is mental adultery. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery in his heart. In the New Living Translation of the Bible, it sounds like this. I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Not only that, but God thought so much of the sanctity of marriage that when he gave the Ten Commandments, he thought about marriage relationships. He said in the Seventh Commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. God means for a man to be married to a woman and for that marriage union to remain until death parts them. And anything outside, any sexual activity outside of a husband and his wife, a wife and her husband, any sexual activity outside of that is either adultery or fornication. And actually, it's all fornication. Please hear me. So, you may even hear one or the other defend the inappropriate relationship by saying something like, my husband or my wife no longer meets my needs. They may say something about the other woman or the man. He, he gets me. She gets me. And let me hurry to a close here. In their book, Sexuality and Relationship Counseling, Dr. Tim Clinton and Dr. Mark Lasser listed several reasons why people have affairs. There's just a bunch of reasons why they have affairs. Well, it all comes under the umbrella of selfishness. But there's several reasons why people have an affair. People have affairs that cheat on their spouses because one or both are exposed to a situation for which they are not prepared or don't have boundaries for. You know what? You have to play. When you go to the gym, you have to have a mental and an emotional strategy for maintaining your cool, keeping your flesh under subjection. You have to understand that it's possible, it's possible that you are locked eyes with someone, you're locked minds with someone. Something's going to happen here. 
you can get taken by surprise in certain situations. Because I don't have time to go over all these at length. Let me just give you some of them. Uh, 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 sometimes we get caught up in affair because we're oblivious to the fact that the relationships that, that started as friends is changing. That relationship of that man and a woman working out together, they didn't realize that it was changing. They were growing a bond and didn't even realize it. And then we're having an affair because childhood emotional deprivation leads them to seek attention in adulthood. Some men who weren't loved right by their mothers, they're always seeking uh, uh, some sort of love affirmation from another woman. And some men who weren't, some women who were not validated by their fathers as little girls, they're always seeking some sort of love validation also. And many times, quite often, it manifests itself. That deprivation, being deprived of that emotional exchange during childhood, it manifests in an affair in adulthood. And then there's the proverbial, I don't feel loved and I have need. And now there's also the affair that comes about because either the husband and wife says, you had an affair on me, I'm going to pay you back. <laughs> I'm going to get you back. And they were always chasing pleasure. And then affairs come about also as a result of unresolved conflict. So yes, there are many reasons for affairs. But you and I, we have to be aware that these things happen. We have to make ourselves and train our minds and hearts to stay home. You cannot be oblivious that you may establish and form a bond when you go to sharing and exchanging emotions with someone who's not your husband or who is not your wife. Men and women were made to connect. And there's more than one man that'll do it for you, woman. There's more than one woman that'll do it for you, man. You were made to connect with members of the opposite sex. But when you take that marriage vow, you have to stay at home. Hey, listen, I'm out of time and I got to get out of here. It's been good being with you all. Uh, if you want to hear from me or if I want, I want to hear from you. Email me, tdhodges at hotmail.com. We got to get out of here. And remember, until we meet again, you can't have peace unless you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.